what did you eat for breakfast? What did I eat for breakfast? I uh, I had a grapefruit and uh, what else? Oh, oatmeal. There you go. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company located in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, due to the current situation, with all live music being essentially stopped, it'll come as no surprise to many people listening to this show that musicians and especially their support crew and management teams have found their income dramatically reduced. That's why the Skinny Armadillo has set up a website to support artists called Music for Good. You can purchase a specially designed t-shirt for this cause and $10 from that t-shirt will be donated to any band or artist of your choice. You can also donate money as well as purchasing the shirt. All you need to do is go to musicforgood.itemorder.com. That's musicforgood.itemorder.com. And of course, there'll be a link to the website on musiconyourownterms.com with the show notes and also in the social media posts for this episode. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast by signing up to the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you'll find show notes to every episode and links to other resources. Welcome to another episode of Music on Your Own Terms. So, time to celebrate. The podcast has reached 50 episodes. Not only am I celebrating with a killer guest, but I'm also releasing this on my 41st birthday. Yay, I'm old. Joining me this time around is Ryan Van Poderoyen, drummer with both Devon Townsend Band and Project, and now his crushing new band, Immonolith. We delve into how Ryan got into drumming, how he has created a career revolving around music, and the challenges and keys to successfully starting a new band and self-releasing the music on the same scale as more established acts he has been touring with for decades. We also hear about Ryan's RVP Health Body and Mind community that has seen him giving powerful motivational seminars for free to supporters while on the road. Ryan tells us what drove him to lose over 50 pounds after a serious back injury and how he got back into peak performance shape for grueling shows with DTP, as well as the nine key principles he applies to his entire life in order to achieve fantastic goals and live his life to the absolute max. So let's dig in. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Um, really, uh, Pleased to announce that I'm I'm on a call today with Ryan Van Poderen. How are you doing? 
I'm doing good, man, and uh, nice job on pronouncing my name. Most people yeah. mess mess that up pretty good. I was I was going I was afraid I was going to butcher it, but that's good. I've been practicing a little bit. Nice work. Um, so yeah, so obviously uh, Devin Townsend project, um, and now so I've heard you describe it as e monolith because, and I, I'm thinking that's kind of your accent. What what's the What's the significance of the I in front of monolith? Where did the name come from? There's absolutely zero significance, except <laughs> except that it sounded cool. So okay. I'll tell you the story. Uh, basically, we had a bunch of names. We had like 50 names, just random stuff, words, phrases, you know, just everything, right? And uh, the word monolith came up, just monolith. And, you know, I love that word, but I'm like, oh, there's been albums in that, there's bands, mm-hmm. there's just... It's too common of a word to sure. use that as a band name, but I love the meaning behind it. This mysterious black, you know, statue or figure, and and it's like mm-hmm. it's heavy sounding, right? And so we started putting words in front of it. Nothing really came, and then one day I was in the shower of all places. Great things come to me in the shower, like a lot of people, and uh, and I started just putting various letters in front of it, and then I put I in front of it, and I'm like a monolith. I'm like, that sounds rad. You know, it just sounds cool, right? And, uh, right. you know, I didn't want to pronounce it iMonolith because we're not an Apple product. And, you know, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like e-monolith because we weren't putting an e in front of it. So the way, you know, you would pronounce it is I am is like impossible, the word impossible. So that's mm-hmm. a monolith, right? So okay. um, that's how you pronounce it. So I went to the guys and they said, hey, what do you think of a monolith? How do you spell it? I-M-O-N-O-L-I-T-H or like, Ah, it sounds rad. What's it mean? Nothing. Cool. <laughs> Let's fucking you use it. You know, so awesome. that was it, man. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, great record. I've been streaming it quite a bit last couple of weeks. Um but let's get let's go back real quick and and you, you started drumming at uh, age ten is that right? You That's right. Signed you up for drum lessons. So uh, what what got you into drumming? You know why drums as opposed to any other instrument? Yeah, the reason I I went to drums is my father is a piano player and a, mm-hmm. a singer, and uh, he was playing in cover bands at the time. So when his cover band would go do sound checks, my brother Jason and I. We'd show up the sound checks. We'd you know bring our hockey sticks or whatever and play floor hockey or whatever while they're sound checking in the various halls that they're doing in town. And eventually, you know, they'd finish sound check and I'd just jump up on stage and I'd start playing around the kid. I was really attracted to him. I'm like, it's pretty cool, man. You know, make rhythms. You can hit a bunch of stuff. And his drummer had a pretty decent sized kit, so it was pretty fun to bang around on. And after a while, they saw me get up there after a few of their sound checks and. You know, his drummer is like, Joss, you know, I think your uh, I think your son's really into drumming there. Like he's keeping pretty decent rhythm. And so my father yeah. came up to me and he asked me, Hey, do you want to try drumming? I'm like, Hell yeah. And then uh that was awesome. it, man. So yeah, my father was a massive influence on me when it came to music at an early age. Cool. And it were there any drummers or bands that, that kind of pushed you in that direction? Not necessarily. Not when I got started. When I got started, then my whole world blew up to music and I really got into music and I started listening to Zeppelin and you know Queen and the Beatles a whole bunch of big bands back there because this was like the 70s or just getting sure. into the 80s right but yeah. then, I, then I found Neil Peart and Rush and that changed my life forever so there it is yeah so and and then um I did read that you uh kind of decided to become a full-time musician at age kind of 17 
um, did you achieve it right then and there, or did you have was it a, a little bit later that you kind of, you know, made your living as a drummer? Yeah, it was much later. Uh, to be honest, probably I don't know, twelve years ago, twelve thirteen, okay. twelve thirteen years ago is is when I started like making an actual full time living, not having to rely on any other work. You right. know, it took a while, man, because when. I got my break with uh, Devin Townsend Band, not Devin Townsend mm-hmm. Project. That was like 17, 18 years ago. It's like we barely made any money in that, you know? Right. So it, it and it, it didn't tour a ton, but it toured. But uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great paying money. And even with Devin Townsend Project, and that was not like we were raking in. We weren't getting paid a, a ton of money. You know, it's right. like uh, we're we're hired musicians. That that Devin Townsend project, awesome band, had a blast. Very grateful to be part of it for so long and to play with Devin for so long. But the money wasn't great, you know. But yeah, where I made where I made my money was uh, you know teaching drums and and mm-hmm. doing all those things. All the extra avenues of revenue that I created is where I started making money. And you know, you look at like my buddies in the band periphery, all those guys don't rely on the band. They got a million other different things going on. They're a great example of that. And so I did the same thing, you know, but everything that I do is based off playing drums, session work, teaching, you know, it's uh, clinics, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, you know, I pay my mortgage and I do all that, but you know, the the majority of the time I I made more money off that stuff than what Devin paid us. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, and I think something like uh, you know, the retinal circus and that kind of stuff is so costly that, you know, it's it's more about the event than, you know, getting rich off of it. So Well yeah, and you know, there was a lot put into that concert specifically, you mm-hmm. know. But make no mistake about it, there's a lot of money made off Blu-rays, man. A lot. Oh. The special still, editions. Still to this day. Oh yeah. Yeah. And wow. you know, it's like yeah, you know, the the business behind the scenes, which a lot of uh you know the fans and supporters don't know about, uh there's a lot of money being made. It just awesome. depends on on how it's being made, what contract you sign, what deal you sign. But again, you know, we we were just uh, hired musicians in that aspect. So, right, yeah, different different ball game altogether. Absolutely. So let's uh, move on to uh, your uh, RVP Health Body and Mind. Um, is that kind of a business, or is that just kind of? It, it seems like you're almost giving back to your fan base, and and you know, here's what I think so would you mind talking about that yeah i'd love to man it's i'm very passionate about it and uh it's something that i I love to do and you nailed it on the head it's something that i can give back to people and i'll I'll tell you what it is this is what it is for all the listeners out there who don't know about it and just to tell you what it's all about is rvp health body and mind is based off these nine principles that i've used over and over in my life and um the nine principles i'll tell them to you right now it's uh, believe in yourself, dream big, set goals, visualize, work hard, be grateful, health, never quit, and enjoy the journey. Those nine principles I've applied to my life over and over and over, you know, for as long as I, I had a passion and I had a dream and a big goal. 
and the things that I've achieved over the years are based off those principles. But it took me many, many years to figure that out to go, okay, what exactly have I been doing over and over to get me to this point? So when I actually looked back on everything that I've accomplished, all the failures I've done, you know, gone through all the mistakes, but also all the the winning scenarios and, and all the great things that have happened, those nine things were the common denominators that kept on coming up. And it wasn't like I was looking for nine. It wasn't like I was looking for three or 10. It just happened to be those are the main principles I apply day in and day out that help me achieve my dreams and goals. So that's awesome. Once I got all those things together, I decided while I was on tour to start throwing free seminars, motivational seminars. And dude, these things were like three hours long. You know, it wow. wasn't it wasn't like it was an hour and see you later. So what I do is I would get five of the supporters. I like call them supporters. I hate the word fan for some reason. It just seems <clears throat> seems demeaning to me where in actuality, these people, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if they didn't support me. So it's, sure. it's kind of respect back to them. Right. But so what I would do um, is I would announce in advance these seminars and I said there's five spots open because you can't bring a ton of people into the venue and I would do them inside the venue in a different room and set it up with our tour manager and um yeah so I'd set it up in advance and as soon as I put it out within 10-15 minutes every time every spot was taken up you know just people loved it then I would start making them bigger and these were free my Mm -hmm. own time I could be teaching lessons doing a whole bunch of other stuff but I dedicated because I just wanted to share this with other people and hopefully have them use these principles and apply it to their lives. And, uh, you know, eventually they started getting bigger, bigger, bigger. You know, they go from five. And then if I played a bigger venue or next thing you know, people would reach out and they'd offer me uh, hotel conference rooms. So next thing you know, I'm doing in front of 20 people. Then I'm doing 30. By the time we did the Bulgaria Plovdiv, um, Bulgaria um, Plovdiv Blu-ray shoot for Devin mm-hmm. Townsend Project, I personally rented out a, a conference room that held 100 people. I paid for it out of my own pocket. They gave me a deal. It was like 90 euro or something. And I held a hundred person seminar, which was the biggest one I've held to date. Mm. And uh, it was amazing. It was incredible. And uh, yeah, you know, three hours long and, and all those people got treated to a free motivational seminar. So yes, it's me giving back. And lastly, awesome. a lot of people are like, hey, man, why aren't you charging for this? It's like at this point, I, I don't want to do this. I just want to give back to people. Would it turn into another thing? Well, you know what? If people request me and I wasn't on tour and they want something in, like I've had requests in Australia, I've had requests in the States. If I'm not touring, yes, then I would charge because, I, you know, I'm not going to pay thousands of dollars to go do right. something for free. You know, at that case, I, I would. But the intention is to help others. And it's it's very honest and it's very genuine. So was there an influence as far as um, motivational speaking or mindset that you can attribute that to, or like what what um, what was the uh, what was the motivation to kind of look back at what you did and and pick it apart rather than just like oh I'm here you know what what where's that analytical uh, part coming from? There's there's two two parts that I. Uh, question that I'll answer with. Uh, one was my father. Mm-hmm. My father was a massive influence. I should say my mother too. She was too, but my father was very on top of things with my brother and I. My brother, by the way, just side story, he's a very well-known producer in LA 
and you know record okay, cool. records mixes engineers bands like uh nickelback he's he's producing the new simple plan record like he does mm-hmm. a-list bands right right no fluke that he made in the industry too you know what i mean and we both grew up in the same household everything right so my father and mother were very positive people and they always told us to go for our dreams. They never said that you should ever limit yourself. So that was one major influence for me to do this. The other thing, um, I think it was a, a time where I hit Royal Albert Hall. We played Royal Albert Hall in London, England. And Devon Townsend Project sold it out in one day. And when I got there, I was like, this is one of the most iconic gigs in the entire world. You know, the Beatles write about it. Eric Clapton, it's his favorite place to play. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's so big, right? And it just hit me and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, man, I've pretty much accomplished everything I've ever dreamed of with the music industry at that point in my life. And I'm like, how the hell did I get here, man? (laughs) And, And, you know, it's like, this is crazy. This is awesome. I love this, but... I really want to know. And I, I was a very positive person. And, you know, and I never really got into to reading a ton of like self-help books or motivational or follow like Tony Robbins or anything. I never did. But I was brought up under that type of influence from my mm-hmm. parents that I just wanted to do it. So that's how I started looking back into my life. That's one influence that my parents and that one Royal Albert Hall gig really made me go, this is incredible, all the things that I've done. Let's, let's dig a little deeper and, and maybe I can help other people with it. That's awesome. So where did the health aspect come from? Obviously, um, you know, playing music is is to a point physical. I, I would imagine going on tour is way, way more health. You know, you have to be way more health conscious and being a drummer that's technical. You know, you have to really keep an eye on your, your health. Um, where did that all come from? I mean, did did you already have kind of a, a mindset of I need to stay healthy because it's going to affect my playing, you know, prior? And where did that come from, if so? Yeah, that's a, a great question and, and a very interesting answer for you, actually. Um, when I was younger, I was right into health right off the bat. I was into sports. I played tennis. I played golf. I played hockey. Come on, I'm from Canada. Got to play hockey, man. You know, so I was into sports a lot. So I was already into being healthy and in shape and I enjoyed playing sports. Then I got into the gym in my early 20s, got into working out and just taking care of myself, right? Um, So that was always there. But fast forward to about age 27, 28, and I was working a construction job, stucco, mm-hmm. and I had an accident, a back accident, and it was bad. It had me in bed for three weeks. They're saying, you know, it was going to be crazy physio and I'd, I could operate. But if I operated, they, I'd have to sign a waiver because it was such a sensitive operation that I could have numbness for the rest of life. There's even a chance of paralyzation. And like, I was like, mm-hmm. screw that. So mm-hmm. what happened was I decided to choose to heal naturally, which they said, you know, could take, you know, two, three years as opposed to an operation would take six to nine months. So right. I, but I chose the longer route cause I didn't want to mess with that. And I ended up gaining, you know, 50 pounds, which is a lot for a guy who's mm-hmm. walking around at, you know, 180. and I'm, I'm over six foot, you know, I'm, you know, decent sized guy got, got decent muscle on me and stuff, but um, add 50 pounds of nothing but fat and unhealthy eating. Like I, I got lazy with it, man. 
And you know what? For the next five, six years, I had to deal with that. I'd play shows with Devin Townsend uh, band and I would be gassed after 30 minutes. You know what I mean? And fast forward to about 2009, I was like, enough of this. I don't want to do this anymore. I need to get back to what I've been like the rest of my life. And I can't believe I let it slip. It was a life lesson. And uh, I was about to get married in 2009. Mm -hmm. So 2008, December, I made the choice. I'm like, I'm getting married in May 2009. I'm getting rid of this. I went to the doctor. They cleared me because for all those years as well, to to let everyone know, I wasn't allowed to work out because I would literally lift something that was five or 10 pounds. I'd put my back out and I'd be screwed for two weeks, like limping. Like it was bad, man. Mm. And so anyway... December 2008, enough of this. Went to the doctor. He cleared me, gave me exercise I could do. And he just said, listen, man, get back to how you were with health and all that. But always remember this. You, you got your diets more important than working out. You'll mm-hmm. defeat everything you do in the gym if you're just eating burgers and potato chips and sodas and all that crap. He goes, you're just, it won't be worth doing. So be smart and just remember, no fad diet will ever work. It won't. You want to know what you pay attention to? Calories in versus calories out. Just watch that. Get your exercise in. Eat healthy. Have your cheat cheat days so you don't, you know, fall off the wagon. You got to have those. I followed that. Dude, plain and simple. Five months, I lost 50 pounds. Awesome. I was actually lost more than that because my weight when I went for my wedding was 177 pounds. So... And, you know, I applied everything that I did before. There was that discipline. There was a perseverance. I didn't quit. I believed I could do it. You know what I mean? And I went for it and I achieved another incredible thing. And ever since that day, I've been in in killer shape. And, you know, the other reason is what you said is this. When I go out on the road, I need to be in shape. You know, my Mm -hmm. my instrument is the most physical instrument on that stage, hands down. You know? Right, exactly. And if I want to perform at a professional level, and people are gonna pay great money to come see this band, Devin Townsend Project, you know, I I need to be on top of my stuff and I need to represent it exactly like the record. And you know what? The shows like the the Roundhouse show, uh, Royal Albert Hall, Plovdiv, all those shows were three hours long. And and, you know, when I finished those shows, I could have went another two hours. Because I was in, awesome. in incredible shape. And I'm, I'm still there now with a monolith. It's like when we go tour, we were about to tour. But you know what? I'm 180 pounds in awesome shape. I can go forever, man. You know, it's like I'm, awesome. I'm ready for it. So it's important. I think, uh, you know, it adds to the story. Cool. Yeah. And, and also um, on that note, uh, what what has the, the uh, current situation mean meant for you? I see you doing a bunch of live streams uh, about your music and about the health side. Um, you know, what, how have you pivoted your you know biz- business in this situation? Well, plain and simple, man. Social media is the only thing mm-hmm. that we really have to to connect with the people who support us, the people who support me, people who support my health page you know like social media has always been an important tool the last you know 15 years or so right it's been very important for every band but now faced with self-isolation quarantine social distancing like you have to be creative and i think the most important thing i see a lot of people a lot of bands really trying hard 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I mean, trying hard, you know, quote, unquote there. Um, be yourself, man. Just be honest. Put out stuff that people want to see. Don't try too hard. People see through it. You can actually mm-hmm. lose lose your supporters that way by them just going, oh, okay, this is a cash grab or this is that or whatever. You know what? For me, I'm just going out there. I'm like, hey, guys, this sucks. I'm in the same boat as you guys. Let's make mm-hmm. this awesome. Let's hang. Let's talk about right. stuff. You want to know about a song? Cool. Here's a drum cam. You know, every Friday, what I'm doing now, it's starting tomorrow on my artist page on Facebook. I'm releasing a drum cam because I got weeks of footage of drum cams with me, Devin Townsend Band, Project, a Monolith, Terror Syndrome, you name it. I got a ton of footage and I'm just going to choose one song each week. I'm going to post it at 9 a.m. And then a half an hour after the post, I'm going live. I'm going to discuss the, the video, what it was like, what happened that day. Take people behind the scenes, stuff they wouldn't know about. You know what I mean? And just share that stuff with them. Invite them into my world. Invite them into what it's like to be in the music industry day in and day out. You know, so things like that. That's something that's honest and genuine from me and I think would be interesting. I don't know. Maybe it won't be, but it doesn't doesn't matter. I'm being honest with the people who support me. So I'm going to do that with the health page as well. You know, I'm going to go over my nine steps. The first nine episodes will be me going into each step individually and talking about it. So with the band, it's the same thing, man. Try and do some live streams, all that stuff. So one of the things I like to ask is uh, what major significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you? Well, one of them was definitely uh, one of them. I'd probably say one of the most significant ones, which I already spoke about was, uh, you know, gaining all that weight. Mm-hmm. Now, now the reason why it was so significant is for a person who is known to be very positive around his fa- friends, very positive in the industry and stuff, I started seeing negativity s- slipping in. I started seeing those very principles that I would apply over and over. I wasn't applying them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what was happening? I was screwing up live. I was late for rehearsals. I was uh, energy wise. It was down. I noticed it started uh, playing in my head too. I started losing confidence. At times I was starting to be a little negative, okay? Mm -hmm. I was starting to be the person that I truly wasn't because I wasn't taking care of myself. And that, like I said, it wasn't like a couple months, man. This this went on for years. It was a battle, you know? And, Mm -hmm. And during that time, you know, my grandma had passed away who I was very close with who who helped bring me up, you know, just lots of different things were going on in my life. And um, it was a very, very hard lesson to learn. But once I got over it, and once I recognized it, and I said, I have to change this. I have to change this for me. First of Mm -hmm. all, it's about it's about making yourself healthy and and getting back to who you are. And uh, it was a challenge. You know what I mean? That I took upon myself. And I realized that there's only one person to blame. And that's yourself. You can't blame it on the accident. You can't blame it on your doctor. You can't blame it on the people who are negative influence to you. You know what? No matter what, there's something called a hundred percent responsibility. And right. every single person on this planet has to accept that. And if you don't, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to your life. You're lying to everyone around you. Take accountability for your life. The decisions mm-hmm. you make today 
will decide your future. And I, I don't care. Anyone can oppose me to that or, or argue with me. And they can go to their blue in the face and I'll just simply say, you're wrong. You're wrong. Right. You're wrong. You know, it's like that's just how it is, man. Be responsible. Take accountability. There's there's a there's an equation that I like to always talk about at my seminars. And I'll share it with you guys now. That equation is event plus your reaction to it will always equal your outcome. Right. Okay? Now, that is not mine. I heard that from a guy named uh, Jack Canfield. And I, I just read it one day online. I'm like, that's brilliant because it's the truth. And that plays <laughs> right into 100% responsibility. You know, and uh, it's, it's so important because you can have an event happen. Now, if you're emotional about that event, you get all pissed off and you say something you didn't mean that. And next thing you lose your job, that's your reaction to that event. And guess what your outcome is? You lost your job. Exactly. You know, if you would have went back in time, you could have fixed that. But you can't do that now. You're living with something what I call the what ifs. If you mm-hmm. live with the what ifs. The chances of your life going the way you envision it, you know, all those dreams and goals, they just become less and less and less. Because people who what if their life, they go with the norm, man. They they go for the average. And those are the people that don't achieve the, the crazy dreams and goals. You know, but if you sit there and you take what I call calculated risks risks, that can change your life in the greatest way possible. I'm one of the biggest calculated risks I've, I've taken in my life is a monolith. You want to know why? We released it on our own goddamn record label, man. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it's completely independent. You know, I had other gigs from some other pretty big bands who offered the drum position to me. But you know what? I was going in to be a session player again, a hired gun. I don't want that. I want to be part of a band. I want to write music. When we release it, I want to go, this is me, man. I'm part of this, you know? And that's what we did. And the fact that the album's out, we actually pulled it off. We released it on a monolith music, completely independent. Even my peers in the music industry, good friends of mine who I, who I this morning I had a cool FaceTime chat with Jens Kidman from Meshuggah. Mm-hmm. We're good buddies and, and we just, uh, we FaceTime each other once a week, you know, just to catch up and stuff. And uh, he said to me this morning, he goes, man, the fact that you guys pulled that off is incredible in the state of the music industry today. And he goes, hats off to you. I, I couldn't imagine how much work was involved. And I'm like, a shitload of hard work, man. But it was sure. so worth it because now that it's out, it's the best feeling in the world. One of the greatest achievements of my life, to be honest. And, you know, I'm not trying to make it sound like, oh, this is the magic be all end all. But a lot of people do not know how hard it is to pull that off on, on a scale that we did it on. Right. But again, sure. that's an event where I re- reacted rationally, not emotionally, put it in check. And my outcome is the fact that we have an album released worldwide that's getting killer reviews. You know, mm. promoters are wanting to book it the whole bit. So, but yeah, sorry, I got, I went off on a, on a side there. No, but, totally fine. but the thing is, is, you know, that's, that's what I, I would say, you know, like that, that would be my answer to that question for sure. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I mean, going, going off that, are you, do you have a team or, or are the band members, the team for releasing stuff? And how do you how do you choose to divide all the workload up? Yeah, so let's put it this way. 
I'm, I'm basically managing the band, but I'm, or I, I don't say I'm a manager. I'm a, I'm a band director is what I would say. Now, what we've gone out and done, we have business partners for the record label. And then mm-hmm. we went out and we hired a project manager who's basically a manager. And then we hired PR in all mm-hmm. the various uh, places in the world, Mark, the, the, the more important markets we hired PR for, radio people, uh, social media team, um, you know, we hired a team that's our family that is doing all this work. Impossible to do it without them. Just impossible. Like, just way too much work. As far as delegation in the band, uh, Kai, who's one of our guitar players, he helps me out on the accounting side of things. I've delegated the accounting part of the business to him. So he works mm-hmm. with our accountant on the business side of that because it's a lot of work that side too. And then uh, I pretty much take care of everything else. You know, Scott... Uh, John and Brian are just when when we need them to do playthrough videos. We need, you know, John's really good if we need stuff set up to to do on the musical side of things, like in the studio or whatever, because he's a producer as well. So he has his full on studio and can whip up intros or videos or cut stuff for us. So you know, we delegate little things here and there, but the majority of the business is is run through myself, the business partners, and uh, you know all the various people that we hired. Awesome, thank you. Um, so yeah, after the last question, uh, what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey? You want to know something? I I looked at when I was in Devon Towns and Project how Devon works, and I've I've massive respect for Devon. He's he's a he's a great friend. He's he's a good guy, and uh, a very 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 hard worker. Okay, and he has heavy heavy records where he released his own stuff through his own label. And, and I would just see how he did that. And I would take from those experiences. I'd, I'd be watching how he ran Devin Townsend projects. It's like, cool, I'd love to do that with a monolith. I definitely won't do that with a monolith, you know, because everyone, everyone makes mistakes, you know. And there were lots of mistakes made in Devin Townsend Project. And there were lots of brilliant decisions made in Devin Townsend Project. But I looked at all the brilliant ones and I learned from all the mistakes that were made with that band. And I just tried to apply as much of those uh, positives to a monolith because Devin does very well for himself. Devin, Devin, yeah, he's, he's fine. He's doing fine. You know what I mean? And uh, even though his tour got canceled, he's doing fine. You know, it's like, I'd, I'd be surprised if he wasn't, you know, but right. it's, he did, he's doing fine because he's smart, you know, and, and he, he learned from his mistakes as well. So, I saw that and, and that was an influence in the sense that, okay, how he's running his business and stuff, it's, it's, uh, there's some great things that can take from that. And then the other thing would be the other bands that I'd see. Periphery, very smart mm-hmm. band as well. You know, and they're doing the same thing. They released uh, their last record on their own, under their own label. You know, and those yes, guys, those guys are incredible. Those guys are probably the hardest working dudes I know in the business. They're just constantly, their revenue right. streams go off in a million different directions. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've had many calls with Matt Halpern because we're, we're good buddies. And, and I'd just be like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm about to do this. What, what do you suggest? And he gave me a bunch of tips and stuff. So, you know, like I reached out to all the people in the industry that I knew. And, uh, you know, I was very smart when I toured all those years with Devin because 
I was the guy always looking into it, talking to the tour managers, talking to the booking agents, and just figuring out how all that stuff worked because I knew down the road Devin would pull the plug on Devin Townsend Project. It was just a matter of when because he does it with every right. band he's in. He did it to Strapping, did it to Devin Townsend Band, did it to his own solo stuff. You know, so <laughs> it was only a matter of time. So that's that was a pretty big influence, just all your connections and, and the way that I learned stuff through uh, Devin Townsend Project over the years. Awesome. Um, and so the, the, the big uh, question I like to ask is, what does music mean to you? Well, for me, music, I don't know. Music is like a story to me. It's like I, I hear certain songs, like I hear the song Blackbird by the Beatles, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. And it's a pretty emotional song. And even the, the meaning behind it is pretty heavy for what Paul McCartney wrote it about. But it brings me back to my childhood and really good memories. But it, it also uh, gives me hope for the future because it's, it's such a beautiful song and the melody. So like music to me is it's a very deep rooted uh meaningful re release for me you know it's like to be able to create the music and to put it out there i am wearing my feelings on my sleeves when i i do write this music when i wrote all the lyrics to the monolith record you know there's there's some pretty heavy stuff on on that record and, and it comes from all my experiences in life that's why it was called mm -hmm. state of being it was dealing with all these different states of being and music is tied into that it's a way to express myself you know, and with Devin Townsend Project, again, extremely grateful for the time that I spent in that band. But I really had no way to, to really express myself with a monolith. I can express myself with Devin Townsend Project. I express myself as a drummer and put my feeling and all the hard work and dedication into my drumming. But, you know, there were no lyrics involved. A lot of the times I had to follow his demos and then I can emphasize off his demos and write my own parts, you know, so that's where music's a big deal for me. That's why a monolith is such a huge deal for me on, on a worldwide basis is because now through my music, I can, I can put out my emotions. I can put out my views. I can put out the positive, uh, vibe that, that is Ryan Van Puderoin. You know what I mean? Right. And that album, honest to God, lyrically is even though some of it sounds harsh lyrically, it's not. Every single mm -hmm. song has a, a positive message underneath of it. So that's all tied into music. That's what music means to me. It's, it's, it's a part of me. It's a part of who I am and uh, how I can express myself. Awesome. Thank you so much for that answer. Um, so where can people find out about a monolith, uh, your drumming page, and also your uh, health, body and mind page? Okay, so Facebook you just go to Ryan Van Puderoin official and that's my artist page. You know, um, I have my personal page, but my artist page is verified. So, you know, it, it's obvious you see the blue check mark, you know, that's the one to go to because the other one's private and, and I just try and add friends of mine that I know, you know, it's like, so sure. that's where you go for that one. RVP health body of mind again on Facebook. Uh, just look up RVP health body of mind. Bam. It's the only one. It'll pop up there and that's a whole different thing. It's really cool. We got an awesome community there. Um, you know, and as far as a monolith, that's the big one for me is a www.amonolithband.com.
Okay. Okay. If you go there, it will link you to all of our social media. It will link you to uh, ordering the album. You can get it on limited edition vinyl. And there's only 500, so they're going fast. And uh, they're being printed right now, released in June. And then uh, you can also get the CD for the physical version. And then any digital platform across the planet, you can find the album. And, uh, you know, another way you can go to to find out a ton of stuff just about me and links to all this stuff is rvpdrums.com. And that's me awesome. and, and everything that I do. But, yeah, you know, for, for all the people out there checking this out and the new pe- people who are, who are uh, you know, finding out about me through your podcast or whatnot, just, uh, you know, check everything out. Thanks for your support. Uh, the bottom line is I can't do this. The guys in Monolith can't do this. Any of the bands that I played in can't do it without their support. So endless gratitude for the people who support the music industry. And especially in a time like this, it sucks, mm-hmm. man. It's like the... The industry is going through the roughest time in the history of the music industry. It's brutal, right? So I really do appreciate those people who are supporting us. It, it means the world to us and, and to me. So thank you very much. And same to you, man. Like just getting the word out. It doesn't matter how big a podcast is or how big an interview is. All interviews are important. I treat them all mm-hmm. the same. So for you to take the time to interview me and, and to put this out there is is a, a great thing, and I'm very grateful. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's been a great interview. I really appreciate you taking time, uh, you know, to join me. Um, at the end of the podcast, I, I like to play a, a song from the artist. Which which song would you like to play? Well, you know what? Now that the full record is out, and you know you can grab anything, I'd really like you to play a song called "Breathe." And okay. the reason why I want you to play Breathe is that song was written three, four years ago, okay? But lyrically and just the vibe of the song and it's super catchy and it's the slowest song on the record, but it's it's just got this vibe to it. And so many of the people who are supporting the band uh, are bringing that song up. They're like, that's got to be one of the best songs on the record. So it hasn't been pushed yet. There's a good chance we'll probably push that as a single, but... Uh, you know what? I think it's just a great song, but um, I'll let you decide. You know, you can play Breathe. If you don't play Breathe, I'd say play Instinct because <laughs> that one's okay. an ass kicker. And uh, if you if you want to play an ass kicker on your show, uh, do that. But I'll leave it up to you. Breathe or Instinct, either one, okay. I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to say The Rain just because, because I, I think uh, it's, it's very um, reminiscent of Strapping Young Lad meets – I don't know. I haven't figured out what, what the meets is. Maybe uh, – uh, there's some moments on the album that sound kind of like uh, uh, Damage Plan a little bit. Yeah. You know, Dime stuff. I'm a huge Dime Bag fan. But yeah, I'll I'll go with... Uh, you know what? The Rain is... Go with The Rain. That's... Honestly, it has Jens Kidman on it. And I yes. mentioned Jens in that. Dude, do The Rain, man. You okay. know what? And and uh, that's a killer song. And having Jens on it, he just killed it, man. And uh, it's heavy. And yeah, it, it is reminiscent of Strapping a little bit. And And you know what? I was never a Damage Plan fan, but my favorite metal band of all time, Pantera. Absolutely. And I think Pantera, you can hear those influences on our record. You know, so. Yes. You know, definitely. so. Yeah, let's go with the rain. That's a good. Dude, it's hard okay. for me to choose a song because I love them all, right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, once again, really, really um, thankful that you were able to join me. And, uh, you know, good luck with the album. And hopefully you can get back to touring. Yeah, we will. Actually, our, our booking agents are working on it right now. So 
Yeah, cool. we'll, we'll get out there, man. Thank you so much for listening to these 50 episodes. I'm about to hit 2,000 downloads, and I'm really trying to push to get this content out to more and more people so I can provide value and serve as many as possible. So let me know what you want to hear, guests that you want me to interview, and if there's any other formats or content that you want to see me look into, or just hit me up on social media and let's have a chat. Don't forget to check out the show notes at musiconyourownterms.com. While you're there, make sure you sign up for the mailing list. Every week from now until the end of April, I will be drawing one randomly selected person to win a t-shirt of their choice from the merch store. But you have to make sure you sign up. Don't forget to support bands and artists and their crew in the Music for Good campaign run by the Skinny Armadillo. And hit me up on social media. Let me know what subjects you want to hear and what bands or artists or entrepreneurs you want me to interview going forward. And finally, I'd really appreciate it if you leave a review on iTunes because that really helps the podcast get in front of more people just like you who want to learn from other people's strategies and failures and how they learned from them. And I really feel that the information coming from the guests I interview is really valuable for the musicians community. And signing out the 50th episode, keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. From the album State of Being, featuring Jens Kidman of Meshuggah, this is Imonolith with Rain. Yeah!